so last week, guys, we did Lesson 13, and, and I'll kind of start off again, kind of like what I started off last week, that when you look at Isaiah, up to chapter 35 is prophetic material, and it was about the Assyrian crisis, okay? Now, remember, Assyria was that world empire at the time that uh, came down and basically took the northern kingdom away in exile. Then they came against Judah, surrounded Jerusalem. And if you remember, they then, basically the Lord intervened. Sennacherib went back home after a great slaughter of his men by the Lord. And he was killed by his own two sons. And you don't hear anything more about the Assyrian issue anymore after that. Ultimately, Assyria would be defeated by the Babylonians. That would take place a few hundred years later. Now, when we come to this section now of chapter 38 through 39, it's going to prepare us for the final section of prophecy. And that section of prophecy has to do with the Babylonian crisis. And that was something at the time people would be like, what in the world is he talking about Babylon? Babylon wasn't even an issue. Babylon wasn't a world power at that time. In fact, Babylon had been defeated at one point by the Assyrians. So we're going to, before we get into that, we kind of need, it, the author is kind of setting it up for us to see why Babylon will ultimately later come and defeat them, okay? So we're going to look at a couple of things here in chapter 38 and 39. One has to do with Hezekiah's sickness. How many of you heard of that, of him being having a sickness unto death, and he prayed, and God, okay, we're going to talk about that today. And then the other has to do with the ambassadors or the emissaries from Babylon coming, and Hezekiah showing them some things, and then what the Lord says about that. So let's look at this together. So we're not going to read the scripture, but we're going to start off in chapter 38, verses 1 to 22. So in the time of the Assyrian crisis. So during this time that Assyria was surrounding Jerusalem and so forth, Hezekiah became sick and faced death. So it doesn't say exactly what the sickness was. Something happened with him and he was facing death. So he was going to be on his deathbed. Now, Isaiah, the prophet, proclaimed that the Lord told the king that he will die. Now, you and I understand that in a way. So when you get sick, you kind of, aren't you, I'm kind of like, how long am I going to be like this? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, how long am I going to be laid up? How long am I going to be sick? And, and that's a natural question. Now, you've got somebody facing death. Am I going to make it? Now, who does, who does the king go for it? For, to ask that kind of question, but the prophet, because the prophet has a connection with the Lord, am I going to make it? And Isaiah says, no, you're not going to make it. Set your house in order. Now, you ever heard that statement before? Set your house in order? It comes from this passage. You know, get ready, get your house in order, you're going to die. Now, Hezekiah pleads with the Lord concerning his life. So he's going to pray, God spare him. Is that a natural prayer? 
Yeah, it's a natural prayer, okay? Nothing wrong with his prayer, right? No, not at all. Now, I'll refer back to this question a little bit later in the passage to help you to understand why what Hezekiah is doing here is not necessarily a wrong thing. It's a natural thing. God, spare me. Because I'll be honest with you, even though we know what comes after death, we do know what comes after death, right? That doesn't remove the fear of death, does it? It doesn't remove the desire to stay here. Do do you understand? Even though we know what's coming, there is the, the reality that we want to continue on here. And this is what we see here. He wants to continue to live. Now, here's what happens. The Lord sent Isaiah to tell the king that he has heard his prayers. So Isaiah, on his own, is praying, God, spare me, let me live. So guess what? The Lord sends the prophet, telling him he's going to live. And the Lord will add 15 years to his life. So he's going to give him 15 years. All right, so let me get back to the question that I asked you earlier. Is it wrong for him to ask for his life? No. Okay. Now, why, why, why are you spending your time here, George? Well, I'll tell you why. Out there, there are some, there are some people who will say, Hezekiah never should have done that. Why would they say that, George? Well, because in the 15 additional years, Hezekiah would have a son born to him by the name of Manassas. King Manassas was probably the most wicked king Judah ever had. And he killed lots of people and innocents. And the reality was is that he would kill this prophet. It is during the reign of Manasseh that Isaiah is executed by being sawn in half. So there's some pastors I've heard preachers say, if Hezekiah hadn't asked for that 15 years, they would have spared the nation of all that mess. Really? Isaiah didn't know that, did he? Did Isaiah say, Lord, give me 15 more years and my son will grow up to be a wicked man? No, he, no that, that, that's not reality. He just wants to live. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, if there was something wrong with that, why did, not, why did God give him 15 years? Do you know what I'm saying? He gave him 15 years. So let's go on. And let's remind ourselves, this is a historical passage. With history, you don't necessarily get principles. It's just telling you what's happening, okay? So the sign of the healing will be the lengthening of the day as the sun's shadow is reversed. So how do I know I'm going to live? Here's what Isaiah says. The shadow will be reversed. The day will be lengthened. Okay, so back then, guess how they were able to tell time? Yeah, with a sundial, typically a sundial, okay? They could see them by the movement of the sun what kind of time they have. They didn't have watches, smart watches or whatever, or their phone. 
know what I'm saying? Or even a pocket watch or whatever to kind of tell them what time it was. But if the shadow moves, okay, so like for instance, there are some shadows in here because of the light, but as the sun moves, the shadows change as well, right? They move in the same direction. What he's going to do is reverse the shadow, which means the day is going to be lengthened. He's going to lengthen the day. So that's what's happening here, okay? So Hezekiah, what you're going to see recorded here, is, is he wrote a song of thanksgiving when he recovered from his sickness. So who does he praise? The prophet? No, God. God is the one who spared him. God is the one who gave him healing, okay? Now, Hezekiah states that the illness came in the prime of his life, all right? So it's not like when he was really old. This was in the prime of his life. In death, Hezekiah states that he will no longer enjoy the blessing of God in this life. He's saying, Lord, if I die, I'm not going to be able to enjoy your blessing in this life. Okay? Hezekiah shared how he pleaded for his life before the Lord. This is all in the song. He's talking about how he pleaded and talked with God. And so Hezekiah praises God for delivering him, delivering his life from death. Okay? So he's praising the Lord to, de to deliver him from death. And Hezekiah recognizes that it was for his own good that he suffered. All right, let's stop there. That's, all right, well, first of all, how do you react to that statement? It's for your own good. Have you ever heard anybody say that to you? For your own good. How does that, how did you like it when your parents said that to you? Or, or it's for your own good. How did you respond to that? What's that, Gene? Oh, an eye roll. Yeah, like, wow, okay. Anybody else with a comment? Do you, how do we respond to, to the concept that this is for my own good? Okay, so Bruce said, hopefully now that we're no longer children, we can see that some things are for our own good, yes. Yeah, but I'm still young at heart, Bruce, okay? And uh, I, I still don't, I, I, you know, I have a hard time grasping it's for my own good. But, but the reality, it is. And see, this is the concept that you find not just here in this prayer or praise of thanksgiving from Hezekiah, you actually find it throughout the scripture that the things that we endure are actually for our own good. God uses them. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So, okay, so let me give you a parallel passage, okay? Parallel passage, parallel passage would mean a passage somewhere else in the Bible that kind of reflects the same thought. The parallel passage I would give you is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Verses 7 through 10. Paul says, Lest I be exalted because of the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, 
very next verse says, three times I ask God to take it from me. Okay, so there again is that natural reaction. Take the problem away, right? Isn't that, or do, or, or do we sit around and say, wow, bring it on, bring some more. Is that what we ask when we have a problem? No, we're like, God, take this away. God's response is, if you look at the passage is, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so therefore, Paul then adopts the same attitude that we see here with Hezekiah. Therefore, I will most gladly boast in my infirmities. I'm going to be happy about my problems. Why? Because when I am weak, then I am strong, he says, because of Christ. And, and while that is hard for us to grasp, that, that, that is something that comes out of the scripture for you and I is, and that we see here with Hezekiah is, this experience of facing death and going through this was for his own good. Was for his own good, and probably because of his connection with God during that time, of being close to the Lord. Anybody got a question about that? Or a thought? Or a comment? Go ahead, Tim. Yeah, I, I don't think it's wrong to express your feelings to God, period. Asking questions like why, those kind of things, that's all healthy. It needs to happen. Why? Because if you don't, you will express it by rejection or anger. Do you understand? And, and sometimes walk away. There's actually a whole book of the Bible where people are expressing their questions and their frustrations. It's called the Psalms. You, you read them, my enemies are encompassed against me. They're where are you, God? Typically what you find in the Psalms, right? And always the psalmist, as he works through his feelings, comes back to, well, you, Lord, are there. You are my strength. You are my rock. And I will sing praises of you. And, and, and throughout Scripture, you're, go, you're going to see that. Well, we just talked about that. You know, we're going through John in the morning service. John chapter 11, Martha and Mary as well. Lord, if you had been here, he would not have died. I, and I think she would have said it with emotion, right? Not, oh, Lord, if you had been here, you know. No, no, I think she would have, out of brokenness of her heart, so I think it's okay. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I think, to be honest with you, that's healthy. That, that's healthy. Another book I would encourage you to read is the book of Job. 
Job is, is, of course, he's got his comforters, his, if you want to call them comforters, who are saying this is all happening because you sinned. Job is trying to wrestle with why did this happen with him and why is God being unjust? Do, do, do you understand with him? So in the scripture, I think you see a very clear case. It's okay to go to God and talk to him and express your feelings. Now somehow though, I think in our church culture, we communicate that you're really not supposed to do that. Yeah, and I'm not sure where that came from. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because, all right, yes, he's my Lord, okay? Never forget that. God is your Lord. He's the creator of the universe. But this is different than, okay, so in our culture, we have a president. So how many of you have President Biden calling you and just chewing the fat with you? Okay, all right. Yeah, but I mean, no. I mean, like, hey, hey, how 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 the turkey hunt go this week, guys? It doesn't happen. We we have a structure where where people who are at the top they're insulated from the rest of us, right? For various reasons, some of them are legitimate safety and all that. But I think it's interesting. Here you have the God of the universe, the Creator of everything, but He doesn't insulate Himself from us, does He? He in, He He enters into a relationship with us and interacts with us. And that's what it was from the beginning. When he created Adam and Eve, he walked with them in the what? The cool of the garden. So I I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know where that came from. Maybe somebody's misguided concept of how you're supposed to be with God. And it's, it's interesting, those misguided concepts catch on, don't they? But the reality is, is that you can go to the Lord and and express to him exactly how you're feeling. I think that's where it's real, right? That shows a level of intimacy. To be able to go and talk to him and say, you know, God, I'm frustrated today. I didn't like that interaction. I didn't like the way I was treated. Or, you know, "I, I need your help here. I didn't like that report from the doctor. What am I going to do? This is overwhelming. And, and I think that's what we see here. And, and, and when you do that, I think you come around to realizing as you wrestle with the Lord that God always has your best interest in heart, even through the things that you go through. And that's what Hezekiah is recognizing here. All right, so while he was alive, Hezekiah would proclaim the goodness of the Lord. The goodness of the Lord. You know, that that brings up a good point. Again, let me go off on a tangent, okay? To many people, when we present Christianity to them, they think it's just some sort of religion, some spiritualized version of the moose or the elks or something, and you come to a secret service or whatever, and, and that's their concept of Christianity. And I think that's where the breakdown is, is in how we communicate it, because I don't think that any of them know that God is a God who will interact with you in your pain. 
that you can go to him and express to him the reality of what's going on in your life, your struggles, your failures, whatever. And you can go to him and know that you are loved and that he accepts you. I don't think most people have that concept of, a, of that kind of God, right? Here we have Hezekiah who says, look, now, you know, this was for my own good, but now while I'm alive, I'm going to proclaim the goodness of God. Wow. Something to learn there, isn't it? I'm going to proclaim the goodness of the Lord. Let's go on. Isaiah stated that the, the king should be treated with a poultice of dry figs. Now, anybody know what a poultice is? Huh? Okay, Bruce, what is it? Okay, all right. Did you get that from Beverly Hillbillies? Okay. Uh, Outlaw Josie Wells. Okay, because the only time I ever heard the word poultice is when Granny said she had a poultice for Jed's head to get his hair back. Do you remember that? And he walked around with this thing on his head. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and Well, here it is in the Bible, a poultice, okay? Out of dried figs. So it's obviously something, who knows? This is the medical treatment, all right? Uh, so the king should be treated with a poultice of dry figs. The poultice was to be applied to the boil, so it's some kind of boil, and the king would recover. So that's all we know about it. So since then, people have been trying to figure out what kind of boil this was that would have killed him, okay? And uh, maybe you could... The text doesn't tell us, but it's obviously something going on here. And it was a fig poultice. That's interesting, you know. Uh, maybe he grew hair there too. I don't know, okay? All right, so. Uh, now, in faith, Hezekiah asked for a sign that God's word would be fulfilled. How's this going to happen? How is this going to happen? So that's what we see there. Now, let's get into the next interaction, which is going to be actually the most disappointing one. So we see this trauma bringing out a good response from Hezekiah, right? He's got the right attitude about what he's going through. God's going to heal him. He's going to praise God. Now we're going to get in, and it's kind of setting up, okay, because now we're getting into chapter 39. It's kind of setting up the next final section of the prophecy concerning the Babylonian crisis, okay, concerning the Babylonian crisis. Now, we're going to see Hezekiah's interaction with Babylon. So in verses 1 to 2, the king of Babylon sent a gift with his officials to congratulate Hezekiah for his healing. So there's a reason why the healing passage is there, okay? Because the healing passage leads into what's going to happen with the Babylonians, okay? So the king of Babylon, obviously word got out, okay? Word got out, not over email, but maybe through some emissaries or people traveling, stories of how... Hezekiah was healed, okay? And so Babylon sends an emissary with a gift to congratulate him. 
Pleased with the gift, Hezekiah showed the Babylonians all the treasure of the kingdom. How many of you do that? Somebody comes over, hey, it's your birthday. Hey, I brought you a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. And you're like, wow, that is so awesome. Here, sit down. Let me show you what's in my bank account. Does that enter into your mind? You wouldn't even, we would never even think of that. But here's what Hezekiah does. Hezekiah is like, hey, take a look at my stuff. Now, let me explain to you what his stuff would have been. It would have been all of the precious things that the king had, or the house of David had, but it would also be all of the precious things that were in the temple. Now, would the temple have a lot of precious things in it? How would they have gotten those? Anybody? Yeah, in the temple. Yeah, offerings. That's exactly right. In fact, if you listen, if you remember, remember, if you go back to the historical passages, I think it's in, it's either in, in 2 Samuel or it's in 2 Kings. Remember, there was a there was a revival during the time of Hezekiah, and the people were bringing offerings to the temple, so much so for the repair of the temple that the king had to say, stop, there's too much money coming in. You ever heard a church say, stop, there's too much money coming in? This is what's going on. This is, so there's a lot of wealth there in the temple. Lots of it. And guess what he does? Hey, thanks for your gift. Take a look at what we got here. You know what I'm saying? This is what he's doing, okay? Now, there was nothing that the king did not show the Babylonians. I mean, he showed them everything. He didn't hold anything back. Now, enter the prophet, okay? Isaiah asked where these officials came from and what did they say? So Isaiah shows up and says, yo, yo, king, who are those guys? Where'd they come from? What did they say to you? Okay, where'd they come from? What did they say to you? So Ezekiah tells Isaiah that they're from Babylon. Oh, they're from Babylon, you know? Way, you know, beyond the desert. You kind of have to take the, go up to the Fertile Crescent and travel down the Euphrates, and there's Babylon, long way from here. That's where they're from. Isaiah asks what these officials saw in Hezekiah's house. So the prophet's like, okay, so what did they see here? All right, what did they see? Hezekiah responds that they saw every treasure that the kingdom had. Every treasure that the kingdom had. All right, now think about this for a moment. I want you to liken this because this is what's going to come out of the passage. Let's say you are, let's say you are doing well financially, okay? And you've got a nice house with nice stuff. 
the best of appliances, the best, biggest big screen TV takes up the whole side of your house, you know, the best electronic devices, you've got money just laying around and, and whatever, and a guy comes in from, from, your neighbor comes in who's a crook, and you show him everything you've got. And he's just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. Taking notes of what you have, okay? This is what's going on here. You're going to see this here. Now, here's what happens. Isaiah proclaimed that the Lord has a message for the king. <clears throat> Isaiah knew what was going on, okay? But he says, I got a message for you from the Lord. The Lord proclaims that the day will come when all the treasure will be carried off to Babylon. You showed them all this stuff? Hey, one day they're going to come and take it all. And they did. They did. Folks, let me tell you, this wasn't the only time in history that this happened. Does anybody know, when was the next time that, okay, we know that it was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and, of course, the Babylonian captivity, and he carried them all away in all their treasures, okay? That was the Babylonian. Does anybody know another time in history when Jerusalem was destroyed? By who, when was it? I'll help you. After the time of Jesus... Okay, A.D. 70. Titus came in and wiped out Jerusalem. Do you know what Titus did when he came? <clears throat> he came and took all of their treasures from the temple back to Rome. It is a historical theory that the big building spree in Rome that took place after A.D. 70 was financed by the gold from the temple. Because there was a lot there. All of it dedicated to the Lord. This is what we see is happening here with Babylon. Same repeat history. The wealth of the temple being taken away by an invader. And the Lord proclaims that the day will come when all this treasure will be gone. Okay? All of this treasure will be gone. And remember, guys, remember Solomon's temple? How spectacular was it? It was pretty awesome. Gold overlaid. I mean, everything was awesome there, right? Bronze, abundance of which beyond anything. Okay? Now, here's what he says. Some of the kings, now this is a prophetic statement, some of the king's sons will be carried away in exile and become eunuchs in the Babylonian palace. So some of the king's sons, these are people of royal lineage, they're going to be carried away to Babylon and they're going to become eunuchs. Now, anybody know what a eunuch is? It's, it's a male who's been castrated, Right? All right, so, and they end up being serving in the king's court. Now, does anybody know from the Bible a guy who was carried away from Babylon with some friends 
from Jerusalem to Babylon, and he became a well-known prophet because he was a eunuch. Anybody know who that was? Daniel, yes. And, it, and the, the assumption is that Daniel came from the royal lineage. You see a prophecy here? Okay. Wow. Okay. Now, Hezekiah proclaimed that the word of the Lord which was spoken is good. All right, all right, stop for a moment. How would you respond if, if uh, a guy comes and says, hey, I got a word of the Lord for you. This is what's going to happen. You were dumb, you were stupid in doing this, and here's the consequences. Uh, Babylon's going to come, take it all away. All your stuff's going to be taken away, and your kids or grandkids or your great-grandkids are going to be taken away as slaves, and they're going to be made eunuchs. How would you respond to that? <laughs> a little different than he did. You'd feel pretty bad about it. How, how would you respond? Not well, right? Hezekiah proclaimed that the word of the Lord which was spoken is good. It's good. Why would he say that? Well, because the prophet told him it wasn't going to happen in his lifetime. This is going to happen, but you're going to live out your life. This is later on. Now, do you understand why he says that? It's kind of, it's kind of harsh there. Look with me, verse 8 if you, if, of Isaiah chapter 39 So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. Now here's why he said it. For he said, at least there will be peace and truth in my days. Now how do you respond to that? What does that say about Hezekiah at this point? Pretty selfish, okay. Anybody else? Is this good? Is that a good response? Okay, yeah, that's good, Tim. You're right. It's like you don't care. All right. Good response for a wrong reason. All right, now let's dig a little bit deeper here. What does that tell you about Hezekiah's heart at this point? Huh? Okay. Now, here's what the passage is revealing. It's revealing a couple of things. First of all, he gets a group of emissaries, ambassadors or whatever showing up. Hey, here's a gift from our king. Congratulations on your healing. And he says, okay, let me show you everything. What's going on here? 
Yeah, he, he turned his attention to, look at how great I am. Isn't that what he's doing here? Let me show you everything. Look at how great I am, all right? There was a shift here from the guy who earlier said, I'll praise the goodness of the Lord forever, to now we get to chapter 39. Look at how great I am. The prophet now shows up and says, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. what did you say? What did you do? And by the way, those guys are going to come. They're going to take it all away. They're going to do this to your children's children. And how does he respond? The word of the Lord is good. At least I'll have peace in my days. Is there a decline in Hezekiah's spiritual life here, folks? Yeah. Yeah. And what can we learn from that? This is a change here from chapter 38 where he's like, oh God, save me. And it was good that I went through this. To now we're in chapter 39. And it's all about him. What does that tell you about I mean, there's a lot of things. What does that tell you about spiritual victories? Are they forever or are they only for the moment? Okay. All right. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you're saying there, uh, Tim. I, I don't know that they're forever because... They're only for the moment, right? But you still need to continue, like you're saying, in the attitude of, God, I'm looking to you. Did Hezekiah get caught up in the moment? And when he did that, he forgot about who? The Lord, right? See, that's the danger. Oftentimes we can see, oh, I got this victory I must be doing okay, and then we coast. It's never good to coast, right? Never. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there, there was a, there's a classic book. It's actually a really, you know, the Bible is probably the ultimate Christian book to ever been sold. The next best-selling book ever is a book by John Bunyan called The Pilgrim's Progress. Anybody have heard of that book? Okay. Yeah, Pilgrim's Progress. Now, in the story, it's about Pilgrim who, who experiences salvation, and he travels then to the celestial city. And he's told to stay on the path, don't stop until you reach certain points for your resting. Now, in this story, he gets to a place where he's made a long, difficult climb, and he comes to a plateau. And he's got this scroll with him that he's supposed to carry, that he's supposed to give up to the next thing. So guess what happens? He gets to the, the plateau. It's a really nice looking place. He decides, I'm going to take a break. And he what? Falls asleep. And when he falls asleep, he lets go of the scroll. The scroll then rolls downhill. He loses the scroll. And, and, and the essence of the story is you can't take a rest. You have to keep going on in your life. Now, do you think Hezekiah took a rest? And here's what happens when you take a rest. You turn what? Inward. 
you kind of get selfish. And that's exactly what we see happening here with Hezekiah, right? To the point where, I mean, seriously? All right, so we have, we have, we have fo folks here with kids. You have folks here with grandkids. We have folks here with great-grandkids, right? Okay. I don't think it would ever enter into your minds if somebody said to you, we're going to take away your great-grandkid, make them a slave, and, and do some things to them that are going to change them forever. And you would say, Wow, that's a good word. At least I'll have peace. I don't think we would ever enter into it. We would never think that way, right? We were like, what's happening to my great-grandchild? You know, you know what I'm saying? That would not enter into our mind. Think about where Hezekiah's at. It's not a good place, is it? It's not a good place. In fact, he said this because the years of his life would be marked by peace and truth. It's because he got comfortable. What were you going to say, Tim? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can see that, but yeah, but remember now, I can say, well, yeah, he has assurance he's got 15 years. Why is he acting this way, though? It's kind of cold and heartless, to be honest with you. You know? Well, next week we're going to get into the, this final section of prophecy, okay? So that's from chapter 40 on. And this is going to talk, he's going to be talking about the coming Babylonian crisis. He's kind of introduced that this is going to happen, Babylon's going to come. And it's also going to tell us about the Messiah, the suffering servant, and what he did for us, as well as the coming kingdom, okay? So we're going to start there next week, and uh, we will uh, look at that point in Lesson 15.